What's up, everyone? Tommy here with another episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast. We talk CFC basketball on this show, and we have a lot to get to today. It was a 2-0 road trip for the Cougs, and that has moved them into a three-way tie for first place in the conference. One of those teams, William & Mary, is going to be at TD Arena on Thursday for a huge, huge game in the low country. Here to discuss everything going on with the Cougars right now, making his glorious return to the podcast, is the voice of the team, Everett German. He had a front row seat for both games this weekend and takes us behind the scenes a little bit from being on the road with the team. Before we get to that, I'll give my usual pep talk. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or through HolyCityHoops.com. That's also where you'll find our previews and recaps of the games. You can always follow us on social media at Holy City Hoops. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers about us. We're another step closer to March Madness, but we have some important Charleston basketball games to play before then. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Very pleased to bring back our good pal, Everett German, a.k.a. E-Dog, a.k.a. Easy e Everett, how you doing, my friend? Good, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing well. I, I enjoyed the Super Bowl last night. Um, I'm happy that my Cougars are, are back in first place. That's exciting for me as an alum. I'm, I just want to chat about the games. How about you? Yeah, same thing. You know, the fact that uh, when Charleston left, Charleston last Wednesday we were tied for second and then we come back uh in first place tied with Hofstra and William and Mary with the tribe coming to TD Arena on Thursday uh let's just say as of right now all is well in Cougar Lane it's not a bad place to be and I I was I was a little bit worried I the Cougars were on a bit of a skid leading into this weekend road trip uh had lost three or four You know, they were a Sam Miller put back away from losing maybe four straight. What did you think was going to happen on this road trip? Because I was obviously hoping for 2-0, but you never know, especially with these teams, big physical teams. Were you expecting 2-0? Honestly, if I were to say, yeah, I'd be a little hesitant. You know, the, the frustrating, not necessarily frustrating part about this CSC team is this team has shown spurts where you think, man, we shouldn't lose a game in the CAA. And then we'll have that stretch when we're thinking, wow, uh, we're going to have to win four games in four days. And with JMU, who had you know, obviously lost, I believe, seven in a row, eight in a row coming into the game at home, a lot of talk about Lewis Rowe being on the hot seat. And yeah. I always think, you know, Tom, when you look at this JMU team, by far, their starting five is could easily be the best starting five in the CAA. When you think yep. about Darius Banks and Lewis, and we saw what Dwight Wilson did. And so you have that game. And then, of course, you look at Towson, who had won seven in a row uh, before. You know, the the one thing about Towson was they weren't necessarily scoring, but they were big and physical and going to beat you up and kind of grind it out. But here, as of late, they've been scoring the basketball and scoring it well. And, you know, I knew a crowd would come up because, well, people like winners. So um, I didn't think we'd go 0-2. We could have easily gone 0-2. I would have been happy with, you know, obviously 1-1, with that one being uh, winning at Towson for, you know, tiebreaker Mm-hmm. Uh, implications later on down the line, but very pleased and excited that Charleston was able to go on the road, 
uh, pick up two uh, big wins and now have really set themselves up nicely to have a nice little run here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, the one and one was probably maybe what I expected. Um, JMU had their backs against the wall. They've got a rare nationally televised game at home. You figure they're going to come out guns blazing and, and Towson, like you said, a team that was just as close to first place as CFC was playing at home, playing on a seven game win streak. They had started that win streak after losing at Charleston. So uh, I think I was concerned a little bit too, but, um, before we get into to both games, let me know if I'm oversimplifying this because Coach Grant did his his media availability today with the CAA, and he said the difference between those four games and these two games was just making shots. And when you shoot 50% from the field in, in both games and about 50% from the three-point line, maybe it is as simple as, as just making shots. I mean, is, is that all you saw as the difference i think you're dead on because you know at the end of the day it's about that big e-word when it comes to sports and it's execution and execution is well making shots and you know you think back to even the uncw game where charleston was six for 33 from behind the three-point line yikes well if they go seven for 33 they win the game but you still had a bad shooting day so when the shots are falling the one thing i have noticed and i'm sure you'll agree when the shots are falling, it seems like the defense picks up. There's more energy on the floor. The guys rebound better. They want to get out and run and just play up and down. And it all starts with, you know, making shots. And specifically, when Grant is making the shots, that seems to give everybody else on the team confidence. And, you know, you think about it, the the two that I like to highlight, the main one being, you know, Brandon Tucker. You know, the freshman, you think back to that UNCW game, Tommy, where he had a wide-open 12-footer, and you could tell he wanted no didn't part want of that. Yeah. Didn't want to, did not want to shoot it and kind of shot it because, well, he had to because you're a Division One player. You're 12 feet away from the basket, and no one is guarding you. Fast forward to the last two games, he's now knocking down three-pointers. He's uh, playing better defense, and he's just he, it's just flowing a lot easier for him. And him is also, uh, as well as D'Angelo Epps, it seems like the game is now finally starting to slow down for these guys, and these guys are playing with confidence because they're making shots. Yeah, sneaky good Brendan Tucker game against JMU. Seven points and just nine minutes. Uh, two for three from, from three, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, no, I've noticed the same thing. And anything after that, awful shooting performance against uncw would be an improvement but i was definitely not expecting that kind of percentage uh, from the cougs but let, let's talk about riller in that jmu game because he did have a season high 36 points surpassing his previous season high of 31 which came against jmu uh, <laughs> Correct. Something, something about playing luro uh get, gets things going for grant but when he's knocking down outside shots like he did in this one he went six for seven from deep uh, it's pretty much impossible to stop him. Yeah, he just was feeling it early on, and, you know, it was kind of interesting. I had uh, spoken at length with Donnie Marshall, who ended up, you know, doing the color commentary yep. for CBS Sports Network. Before the game, he's like, man, you know, I, I just love Grant's game, but I'm looking at him on film. And he's like, you know, it just seems like he's just not aggressive enough. Like, he's he, he needs to be more selfish. He, he has to understand he's got to get – at minimum 20 shots and he says you know in today's time when you have a, a dynamic player like grant it's almost better for him to take a bad slash fourth shot 
than somebody else taking a good shot just because he has that, you know, capability. And he said, I really just want to see him, you know, go for it. And I don't know if he got a chance to talk to Grant before the game. I know he did after the game, but it just seemed like Grant, now that we've kind of turned the, the corner, you know, we've made the turn now, now we're starting to play everybody for the second time. He just is determined that, you know what, if I have to throw this team on my back, if we're going down, we're going down with me shooting the basketball, uh, making plays, still creating for my team. But as we said, you know, when he's hitting shot, everybody else feels comfortable. And now you got the honey badger knocking him down. Now you got Jalen McManus starting to shoot the basketball better. You got D'Angelo Epps, Tucker, you know, just everybody. Sam Miller just seems to be more in a flow. But yeah, he really got that game started off uh, on the right foot after another slow start by Charleston. But once he got going, everything seemed to uh, fall into place. We've talked about this as much as it's great to see Grant getting his teammates involved and showing his passing ability, but this team is at their best when he's doing what he does best, which is scoring the basketball. And you're you're absolutely right. He should be taking the most shots every game. He should be. I don't know if he took this personally, but the Cougars played at William & Mary and Northeastern at home, and two guys who are kind of gunning for player of the year, Nathan Knight and Jordan Rowland, both maybe outplayed Grant in those matchups. And it was really nice to see Grant have that aggressiveness taking shots, getting to the rim, knocking down threes with confidence uh, because, yeah, he's the engine that that kind of starts things. Yeah, you can't, you know, you can't. And one thing, and Tommy, I know you're deep into the stats and all. Look at those games uh, where he's only getting four or five maybe free throw attempts Mm -hmm. as opposed to the games where he's getting, you know, eight, nine, ten. We're winning those games because he's constantly in attack mode. And that's the one thing that, that definitely, I think back to that UNCW game, it's like he wasn't even there down the stretch, barely touched the basketball. I know they were double teaming him, but in those situations, you got to just go get the ball and make something, uh, you know, happen. But yeah, when he's getting a, a good whistle because he gets fouled every single time, he can get to the free throw line and he can see that basketball go through the hoop. You know, it's going to be a good day for the Cougars. Well, you touched on this a, a little bit. It wasn't an easy game for the Cougars. They did kind of start a little sluggish, and I was a bit worried from like a body language point of view. It just seemed like they they didn't have that fire I thought they would have after that UNCW upset. But to their credit, you know, they turned it around. I talked with Danny Johnson a couple weeks back, and we were talking about the the funk that Galloway and McManus were in, and he was like, I would love for those guys to make game-changing type plays, like not relying on their jump shot, but making the type of plays to swing the game and swing momentum. And I thought Galloway with that steal and one, uh, he got to the free throw line a couple times, uh, definitely did that against Towson. Good to see him snap out of it. He was in double figures in this JMU game and uh, provided that secondary scoring that Charleston needs so badly. You know, I feel like Zep Jasper is the best on-the-ball defender, but in terms of getting in passing lanes and jumping the the, the passing lane, uh, Brevin Galloway is by far the best. His anticip- anticipation skills are uh, second to none, and, you know, having four steals against JMU that usually lead to runouts for him, that gets him going, you know, as well. And so when you – and Coach Grant talks about it a lot. When your shots aren't falling – do something else to kind of get yourself going, yeah. whether that be playing defense or rebounding in the case of, you know, Jalen McManus, who it was good to finally see him snap out of his funk as well. There's different ways that you can contribute to the team 
other than scoring. So for Brad, it's absolutely, you know, he usually has to defend the opponent's best uh, perimeter player, does a great job of, you know, locking and chasing and, and making those guys uh, put it on the floor. And so, yeah, I thought from a defensive standpoint, uh, he was remarkable. And now he's starting to hit shots again. That makes him a, a very complete player. Yeah, absolutely. Defensively, I thought Dwight Wilson still was productive, but I thought we did a better job on him this go round. I thought OC put in some good minutes on him. Nobody else from JMU really killed the Cougars. It didn't it didn't seem like Charleston just kind of hung around. And then when those shots started to fall in the second half, especially and, and you mentioned Zepp, he, he was super productive in that second half. Um, Charleston just kind of ran away with it. I mean, did you see anything else? on the defensive end or outside of scoring that, that stood out to you? Well, I think just from that JMU, and that's really been their, their story all season long is their lack of depth. And so, you know, they usually hang around in the first, you know, half as Charleston led 40 to 37 at the half. But in the second half, they just run out of gas and they missed a lot of easy bunnies. Charleston did turn up the, uh, the pressure in terms of guarding a little more aggressively in that second half. And that just took a lot out of them. So uh, again, it just goes back to that offense when offense is flowing and people are making shots, they have no problem uh, playing defense and doing what they need to do on the defensive end to be a successful basketball team. And, you know, we can score points like we did against JMU and also limit them. I think it was like to what 69 uh, that's just getting it done. And that's the type of effort that Charleston's going to need as we go down the stretch. And we are by far, as you know, Tommy, we're the deepest team in the CAA. I mean, we are legitimately 11 deep. And so if these guys can just do their part, we got a chance to be cutting down the nets in March. Should we be worried about a game where the shots are not falling, though? I think that's what keeps creeping into my head is, let's say there's another UNCW-type game and the team is not changing style to account for you know, missing wide open threes. Is is that a concern for you? Not really, because I think that was a learning moment mm. for the guys. Um, you know, you saw when your shots aren't falling, <clears throat> even when they're playing, you know, that type of defense, even if it's a two dribble pull up and, and just knock it down to get a little closer or, you know, a little more movement and getting in the gaps against that zone, you know, get to the paint, as coach calls it, you know, he wants them to play paintball. And when you do that, you know, that's, going to get you to the free throw line and that could get you going you know offensively but when a shot's not falling that just means you have to guard harder you can always you know bring your defense defense will keep you in the game and eventually that you know those shots are going to fall so hopefully the kids learned from that uncw game and i hope that if they were in that situation again that our approach to uh, that type of struggle shooting the basketball would be a little differently than what we saw against UNCW last week. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. But let's move on to the Towson game because that was sort of the the game of the weekend uh, for Cougar fans. What a game. I mean, Charleston was down as much as 12. Um, I was in the stands. I was sweating it. I'm sure you were too. Always a tough place to play at Towson. We already talked about the momentum they brought in. Charleston did just enough, I thought, to stick around. I thought to cut the lead from 10 to 5 in the last minute of the first half was critical. That was Grant Riller hitting a layup and then hitting a three at the buzzer. That, to me, was huge. And, you know, you 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 stay that close even when Towson's hitting shots. 
And then when they kind of regressed to their usual shooting standards, Charleston was able to uh, to kind of capitalize on that, I thought. Yeah, and that's one of those situations we just talked about. You know, uh, you know, you hang in there, hang in there. And you knew that uh, Towson would come out with a lot of energy and they're playing at home. They won seven in a row. They're feeling good. You know, it was Autism Speaks Day. Pat Scary, the former C of C assistant coach, him and Tom Harrion, the former head coach at the college there, uh, both of their sons have autism and they've kind of started that that movement so you knew the kids were going to play hard and I kind of felt like if we could just weather the storm um, and give us a, a chance that last four minutes of the game that somehow some way we would you know be able to pull it out and you think about the biggest shot to me Tommy was you know the three-pointer right before the half uh, that Grant hit where at first I'm like no 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 <laughs> so I wanted them to attack the rim and of course Grant being Grant you know knocks it down uh, but yeah, from that standpoint, the situation where I uh, thought the Cougars just did, like you said, did just enough to give themselves a chance and then, you know, be able to hit some sh- uh, shots down the stretch. Yeah, they still shot pretty well um, and got to the free throw line a ton. I don't know how many was it two or three times where Towson fouled a three point shooter. I feel like when Galloway went to the yeah. line 10 times, I feel like he got at least one or two of those. Yeah, he went twice, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Grant went yeah. once as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, granted, normally you get to the free throw line, you're driving to the basket, but those guys have so much respect for being outstanding shooters that, yeah, if you're a defender, you have to respect that shot and try to contest as best as you can. And if you, you know, you keep your hand down, then those guys have the ability to knock it down. So I thought Grant played a, a solid uh, – offensive game i thought brevin galloway did and still the key component to me is just jalen mcmanus i mean when jalen is on it just makes everything so much easier you know for everyone else and you know being six eight six nine you know a senior he's been through the rigors he's guarded jarrell brantley in practice every day for the last three years you know i would hope that he has that fire and that desire to really be that third score down the stretch and whether it be uh, you know, posting up on the block or hitting the jumper when time calls for it. I just hope that he can end, you know, the senior season strong and not have one of those performances where you're, you know, looking like where's where's Jalen McManus. He definitely needs to be a focal point uh, of this team going forward. He was big time. Yeah, he was. He had a great game. 14 points. He had a, a run. I forget if it was. I think it was in the second half to give Charleston the lead. I think he, you know, caught like a half court pass from Grant and kind of finish through contact and then Jalen McManus wears number 24 Kobe Bryant's number and to come in in the clutch knock down those free throws to secure that win I uh I, there's a little bit of mama mentality there I thought from Jalen well you have to be aggressive and mentally strong you know and you're a senior so you've been there he's yep. one of the better free throw shooters uh, on the team and that's what coach Grant and the coaching staff that's what they expect uh, from Jalen is to be in that leadership role. And between him and Grant Riller and, and Sam Miller, those guys are the ones that are going to have to take those shots. Those are the ones that are going to have to uh, make those shots and lead this team for the rest of the regular and postseason. Yeah. Well, it got a little dicey at the end. Um, I think Charleston was up nine with uh, five minutes and change to go. And then that sequence happened where I think uh, Towson got to the free throw line. Uh, Grant turns it over, at, I think on the inbounds, gets called for the, was it a flagrant or was it a like a clear path foul? Yeah, 
I think it was a flagrant one, which resulted in two free throws and the ball back, yep. which resulted in, uh, I can't remember his name, making a three-pointer out of the corner. So it was a five-point swing for Charleston. But the one thing that I love about this team, Tommy, is whether it's early in the game or late in the game, you really never sense any panic in this team. And these, these kids are cool, calm, collected. When they're down big early on, they don't, you know, they don't press when they're uh, down, you know, or, or, or up uh, late game situation. You know, they, they get it to their guys, guys that have been there, done that. Um, Brevin Galloway is another one that hit some big free throws down the stretch. So, yeah, I mean, they could have easily kind of fallen apart. I think back to, who I want to say it was Coach Wojcik's first year where we had like an eight-point lead against Towson on a Saturday afternoon with about 50 seconds left, and we ended up losing that game. Uh, and overtime, so I was thinking, please, I remember not that again. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> exactly. But uh, give credit to those guys. They made uh, enough plays to uh, get the victory on the road at Towson. I think the the biggest shot was that Sam Miller miracle three, which I think came after Towson had credit <laughs> to two. That three that hit every part of the rim. I, I was at the game. I don't know what your call was, but that was dramatic. <laughs> I think it was something to the effect of a three-point attempt from Miller. And I just kind of paused because, like you said, it hit the rim like three or four times. It was like the Kawhi Leonard uh, shot against Philly. Yeah, you are exactly right from the corner. And finally it fell through. And, you know, speaking of Sam Miller, boy, has he been a a pleasant surprise here as of late. You know, offensively, obviously – always a big monster on the glass but he really has played well uh as of late has kind of kept his emotions in check and i mean he's a serious threat on that pick and pop or when he slips the screen uh to you know to let it fly and he's another one that's playing with confidence and it's just amazing when these guys have that confidence and they're not afraid to make a mistake or miss a shot it's a beautiful thing to watch because these guys are well they're making shots now yeah yeah he's been he's been really he's had a good last couple of weeks um he saved the the team against uh Hofstra and Northeastern with those those big games he had offensively um exactly yeah he was good Galloway again got it done um Riller of course still effective 28 points on 13 shots I thought I thought the CFC crowd there was great there's maybe I don't know maybe a hundred of us sprinkled in uh, behind you on the bench and you, you end a team's seven-game win streak, and then I think we were both probably scoreboard watching. Hofstra gets the big win against William & Mary, and just like that, it's a three-way tie at the top. Yeah, and I, while we're talking about the fans, this really the month of January, Tommy, the fans have been you know phenomenal. I know Coach obviously would have wanted them to, uh, or us to win all those home games that had those two close losses at home. But man, TD Arena has been rocking, and even when we've gone on the road, uh, the support has just been you know, phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, it was good to see you guys back there making some noise. And, you know, like you said, they get the win. It's funny, when we got on the bus, like all the players immediately pulled their phones out and uh, trying to watch the the uh, 4 o'clock games, specifically <laughs> the win air game. And they got to a point where they just kind of cut that off. And they were saying, yeah, well, good. Now we got a chance to be in first place by ourselves on Thursday. We take care of business. And this is a team that they're very confident, Tommy. They know that they didn't play their best at Kaplan arena. Um, they know that's a tough place to place a tough place to play that we've never won, but they're coming to TD arena. And those guys know that, yeah, Nathan Knight, he's a solid player and, and Van Vliet, he's a solid player, but you know what? We got some solid players as well. And we'll have 
uh, you know, 4,500 to 5,000 cheering for us on Thursday. I love the behind the scenes stuff like that about the players on the bus. It was really funny. I was about to say, Tommy, it was really funny on Thursday because, you know, we played at 630. Yeah. So our game was over by 830. So same situation. We, uh, you know, we stayed in Harrisonburg on uh, Thursday night. So, you know, no need to shower or anything after the game because you're just headed back to the hotel. So we get on the bus and they're watching the end of the uh, William and Mary game. And I just remember hearing somebody yell, I can't believe he missed that. So apparently they were talking about the Bolden yes. Brace miss free throw. Made a second one, and I just heard somebody, might have been Brevin Galloway, say, watch that, they better guard Nathan Knight. And then all of a sudden you hear this loud, like, oh, from the back, all the guys, because <laughs> that's when we have to drive and lay up. So it was definitely some scoreboard watching. But again, those guys know they take care of their business and do what they're supposed to do. It really doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'm, I'm glad they live like uh, CFC sports fan Twitter does because there was a couple of friends of mine having a minor meltdown after Nathan Knight went full court to win that game. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this game on Thursday, not the same William and Mary team exactly. I mean, they're they're struggling a little bit too. I think they've maybe lost three of five as well. They also had a, a miracle shot, kind of like our Miller shot that uh, – that kept them from losing more, but this game's important because the winner of this is basically going to be in the driver's seat. Um, you go one and one against William and Mary, and then you just beat Hofstra, and you're you're probably good if you if you hang on in your Charleston and win the games you're supposed to win. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. What are you uh, What are you expecting? Yeah, you know that the Twin Towers will be on in town on Thursday. Uh, of course, everyone knows about Nathan Knight, but Andy Van Vliet, the transfer from Wisconsin, big seven footer that definitely resembles uh, Christoph Porzingis, um, who plays with the Dallas Mavericks. Kind of looks just like him. <laughs> Actually, when we played at William and Mary, we were out to dinner, and and him and his parents came in, and uh, we're like, man, yeah, he does look like you know Porzingis, but he's a solid player. You know, Knight's averaging. Uh, you know, 20 points, 10 rebounds. So he's a double-double machine. And Van Vliet, you know, he's averaging you know, 13 points, nine rebounds. So the front court will have to come up huge on Thursday night between Sam and, and O.C. and, and Jalen uh, because those guys, I mean, they're, they're a problem. And, you know, while we lost at William & Mary earlier, uh, 67 to 56, we did a pretty good job. Nathan Knight did most of his damage, you know, from the free throw line. So I'm sure that'll be a point of emphasis all week is the bigs are going to have to play defense without fouling. You just can't put Nathan Knight on the free throw line all season long. He's a pretty decent free throw shooter, shoots about 79%. So they're going to have to absolutely move their feet. And then from the outside, you know, they still got Luke Lowy, which he's been around for a while now. He's uh, kind of like the floor leader. They've kind of moved him off the ball and, a couple of other transfers, Thornton Scott and, and Bryce Barnes, also in the mix for William & Mary. So at the end of the day, I think if we can get an up-and-down affair, let our athleticism you know, take its toll, run 11 guys at them and wear them down, I think Charleston will be uh, victorious on Thursday night against William & Mary. It's kind of a battle of strengths. You have William & Mary, whose strength is on the interior, and then you have Charleston, whose strength is probably in the backcourt. And I would not expect... Grant Riller, Brevin Galloway, and Zepp Jasper to all struggle as much as they did in Williamsburg. So I'm also expecting a close game. Um, good to know the guys are, are fired up about the the game, and I'm sure 
coach is is putting together the game plan this week. Um, I would just encourage fans to uh, to get out there because it's probably the two best players in the league. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of NBA scouts there, and it's it's going to be good. I mean, as we're coming down the home stretch, we're in February now. It's going to feel like a postseason game, I think. Yeah, I think at the last check, there were going to be eight to ten NBA scouts there to see these two. Uh, these two, by far, the the two top seniors uh, in the conference. Probably the only other guy that, well, not there's probably two other guys that could have an outside chance at Player of the Year. That being Dejure Bowie from Hofstra and also you know Jordan Rowland from uh, Northeastern. But I think at the end of the day, the top four teams all have that go-to player, and it could come down to whoever wins the conference, the regular season title. Could well that person could be the MVP because all their numbers are very. Uh, you know, very similar. I mean, I think by far Grant Riller is the most unguardable one. Uh, you know, Nathan Knight, he's a double-double machine. Jordan Rowland's been putting up some big numbers, you know, as of late. And DeJure Bowie, I mean, the same for him as well. So it'll be interesting to see on Thursday night to see Nathan Knight and, and Grant Riller. But I kind of think, you know, Grant just has that little different fire in his eyes that I've seen, you know, from him as of late. You know, obviously Grant's very quiet. He's the reigning CAA player of the week. So he'll have a little chip on his shoulder and he'll want to definitely uh, put on a show as he's only got four more games uh, left at TD arena in his career. Wow. Yeah. That, that really puts it in perspective. Well, Everett, I'm going to let you go. We will definitely be watching and listening on Thursday, but as always appreciate you coming through. Hey, not a problem at all, man. Anytime, Tommy. Thanks, Everett.